Episode 24, welcome back to Bait and Heckle. Woo. We're coming at you kind of, or we're live here right now, but we're, we're <laughs> Milford this time. I'm and, back. And boy, do we, yep, we're teased back. We got newlywed here. No. <laughs> newlywed. I heard you, bro, on that last step. I'm coming for you. Oh, jeez. Well. You're sick of coming for your sister. No, Ooh. dude, I don't need people fucking thinking that shit. <laughs> But I did kill the dance floor. All right. Well, we got a very special episode. Yeah, we got some stuff coming at you. This is a. This is Damien's excited. I I can feel I'm him. So excited. Screaming. Text message. I can. I gotta fire my belly, boys. <laughs> to I'm I'm really excited about this one. All um, right. Well, let's. Detective D. Yeah, I've done some sleuthing. I might have cracked the case. Yeah. Let's let's crack this cold. Case. All right. Let's do it. So let's get right into it. All right, so real quick. So I found, I heard this story, like, back in the day. I've heard of it. It's been brought up a few times. It's become, like, a like kind of lore for the past, like, 80 years. Um, so I, I'll read, I'm going to start with the original story when I first looked it up. And I thought this would be, like, something quick and easy for the podcast. Like, something that we it would be, like, 10 minutes. Okay. But. I I went deep, as some would say, um, maybe too deep. Balls deep. Yes. Um, but anyway, so all right. So I'm gonna start with the the original tale. Let's go. So, December eighth, nineteen forty-two, exactly a year and one day after the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. Yep. An unknown plane appeared on the Navy's radar, originating from the direction of the oceans of Japan. So fearing it was another attack, they sent out a small squad that was patrolling the area. It was two planes, two pilots. They were in close proximity to where they picked up the aircraft on radar. So they went out there to engage it. And upon engaging this unidentified aircraft... Oh, jeez, I'm already blowing it. (laughs) <laughs> like a UFO? Hang on, hang on. So the squad ends up making contact with the plane, which turns out to be an old American P-40 Warhawk. World War One. Yeah, World. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, not quite World War One. It's an older model plane, but it, it's it's World War Two era. It's an older one. And what's strange about this is at the time of the original attack on Pearl Harbor, they had. P-40 Warhawks on the base. Yeah. But at the time, a year later, once the U.S. had already entered the war, they were not being used on Pearl Harbor yep. anymore. So, yep. so it was weird. Um, they, the two pilots tried to communicate with the unident- unidentified aircraft mm-hmm. with no response. So after receiving no response from it, they formed up on it, one on the left side, one on the right, and they both reported seeing the same thing. And um, uh, Hugh Hefner with his dick out. No. Yeah, they wish. <laughs> they wish. So upon observing the aircraft, the rogue plane was perforated with bullet holes, completely shot to hell. It was missing all of its landing gear, and they could clearly see the pilot of the aircraft slumped over the controls covered in blood. Whoa. One of the pilots claimed that they saw the slumped pilot pick his head up and slowly, very meekly, wave at them meekly's a good word yeah i th- yeah i thought so yeah. mm-hmm. so slow meek wave at them before the plane suddenly starts nose diving the plane rapidly descended and eventually crash landed somewhere near oahu they sent a team out to where the so the two pilots reported it sent the coordinates to back to the base and they went back on their way then a navy rescue team was sent out mm to try and scope out the wreckage. Mm-hmm. And sure as shit, there it was. They, f- they come across the plane. And, but what was weird is the pilot's body was missing and was never able to be recovered. To this day, they've never found the guy. Hmm. But what they Shocks, did find... Brother. Shocks, What they did find was a diary. And they managed to gather from the diary what seemed to be a description of the plane departing from an island called the Mangdanao which is an island in the Philippines, which is far as fuck from Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and the article that originally I originally came across said it was about 1,300 miles away from Mindanao. Uh-huh. But according to my calculations, it's more about 5,300 miles away. Wow. Yeah. So it's very far. And now the P-40 Warhawk only had a range of about 241 miles. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that shit's not going very yeah, far. Yeah, and it's like a good plane, but like top of the line for World War One. Yeah, and like, but by the time World War Two came around, it was like they didn't even send the the P forty Warhawks to the European theater. Yeah, because the shit the Germans had was just so far superior, mm-hmm. it wouldn't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they did use them in North Africa and the Pacific theater in World War Two because they could kind of they stood up pretty well against the shit. They didn't they have had their arsenal there. there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. So, um, yeah. So, plane was shot to hell, goes down, blah, blah, blah. It made it 5,300 miles. Yeah, somehow. Which is weird. Yeah. It's already, then, it's already weird that this plane yeah. shot to hell. and it's, Was it a dude's diary? <clears throat> yeah. So, it was partially burned, but they were able to gather that it came from the island of Mendanao. So, I was trying to be thorough here, and like... I'd... Where's the titties? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. Well, they were never able to identify the pilot, obviously, because they couldn't fucking find him. However, while I was doing some more research into this, mm-hmm. I found a small Jones County, Mississippi newspaper article Ooh. with an interview from a you World found War it? II. I found it. Okay. And it was an interview with a World War II Air Force veteran by the name of Milton McMullen. Now... Milton McMullen, I gotta give a little backstory on Milton here. So Milton McMullen was a in-flight mechanic serving on various B-17 bombers, going on bombing missions all over the Pacific Theater, as a part of the uh, United States 27th Bomb Group. World War One. No, World War Two. Okay. And Milton has a very crazy story on his own, and this will all tie together. So bear with me here. Um, I just gotta set the stage for what's to come. So, Milton and his crew were on a mission heading towards Manila Bay in the Philippines when the engines of the plane suddenly went out. They had to make an emergency uh, landing on Okinawa. Nobody was hurt, but it was a pretty close call, and after this, Milton was pretty shaken up. So, he met with his commanding officer, telling him that he no longer wished to serve on, as like an in-flight mechanic. He wanted to be on the ground. Yeah. So, he didn't want to go back in there. And his request was granted. In early 1942, Milton finally made his way to the Philippines and began his duties on the ground. And some of the listeners out there might be putting this together, saying, hold up now, D. <laughs> You're telling me that Milton's in the Philippines in 1942? That's mm-hmm. a bad place to be. And they'd be exactly right to say that. <laughs> <laughs> because as we all know, in the Philippines, 1942... That is where the Bataan Death March happened. <laughs> All right, so it's a very bad time to be there. Yeah. So after the Japanese win the Battle of Bataan in April of 1942, which had been raging on since January, the Japanese forced roughly 64,000 Filipinos and roughly 12,000 American soldiers to surrender at the Bataan Peninsula um, and began the deadly march that would go down in history as one of the most gnarly atrocities committed by the Japanese in the war. Yeah. It's a very time, to, very bad time to be there. And we yeah. won't go, like, too far into the Bataan Death March, but... Japanese I mean, kicked our ass in the... It's just a fucked up, like, disgusting, like, brutal war crime. Like, it doesn't take much to look into that and realize how fucked up it was. Um, and, like, I do kind of want to go into it. A little bit, but we won't just... But I did find, like, some really fascinating stories that come out came out of that. Hit us with them. Yeah. Well, I'm going to stick stay on target oh, oh, yeah. here. Okay. Um, so, I'm losing my place a little bit. War is fucking gnarly. We can't comprehend it. No. We can look into it, but... And do history on it, and but we can't comprehend it. Yeah, so. it's gnarly. All right, well, listen to this. So when the first big surrender happened, most of the U.S. and the Filipino forces were captured. However, there were several groups of soldiers who refused to surrender. Fucking G. And uh, they retreated further and further back into the jungles of these islands and continued fighting the Japanese guerrilla style as hard and as long as they possibly could, which is badass. And so 
back to Milton. Milton's in the Philippines. And among the soldiers resisting the surrender was old Milton McMullen. He and his unit were stationed on a small airfield in the island of, guess what? Mindanao. I wouldn't have guessed that. Well, if you remember, that diary they found on that plane was from Mindanao. Oh, okay. Okay, so you're you're starting to see where I'm going Milton's everywhere, bro. Milton, mm, yeah, well, listen to this. (laughs) So the island of Mindanao is south of the Bataan, Bataan Peninsula, where the Japs took all those prisoners, and from there the Japanese began working their way down, sweeping mm. islands of the Philippines, capturing or killing anyone they came across. But Milton and his boys, the U.S. and their allied Filipino forces held out, fighting off the Japanese for quite a while. Um, despite being sub- uh, the supplies being extremely depleted, because the island was basically surrounded, yeah. they weren't getting any reinforcements. They were like completely cut off yeah. from getting resupplied. Save your bullets. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And uh, so they're basically just trapped on this island fighting for their lives. Milton was not trained as an infantryman, but he was thrown into the shit once the situation got started getting dire. Um, he was given an old war, World War One era 50 cal machine gun, which Milton claimed uh, could outshoot anything the Japs had. But ammo was scarce. They would sometimes get like small, like resupplies, but it was always air, under air. the cover at night. And like, it was air. Yeah, well, they'd, like, send in, like, small ships and shit, but most of the time they would either get just get destroyed or they'd make unloading the supplies just impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so now shit's getting really bad for them. They're completely surrounded. Japanese snipers are wreaking havoc on the resistors. So, now listen to this, boys. So, once supplies are critically low, all the U.S.'s aircrafts on the airfield have been completely destroyed, with the exception of three old P-40 Warhawks. Damn. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Starting to get a little weird, huh? So you figured that out? Yeah, well <laughs> well hang on. Let me yeah. let me finish Continue. up and then we'll uh we'll get into it. So So the P forty Warhawks have been stationed at the base for some time, like from the beginning of the war, they got sent over there. And as Milton recalls, one of those old P forties had a wheel knocked off during takeoff. When a Japanese zero came in hot over McMullen's position and the P forty took off after it. It took a damn good beating on the landing, but Milton, being a badass good old boy from Mississippi, (laughs) he and his boys were able to, and with the help of some Filipino civilians too, um, they were able to fix the propellers that were damaged during the landing and also rig up skis for the P-40 Warhawk as like a makeshift landing gear. So it could still take off. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, badass. Mm -hmm. So now that shit is really cool they were able to do that. But what wasn't really cool was on May 6, 1942, the Philippines officially surrendered to the Japanese. Yep. And the Japanese capture of Mindanao was imminent. Mm. So knowing this, Milton and the crew pulled the ski-rigged P-40 under the cover of the Philippine jungle to hide the plane, with the plan to get the P-40 into good enough shape to make a run for the closest Allied base and escape the incoming Japanese, um, which would... Fuck them up. So the closest Allied base to them would would have been in China, which would be about roughly 200... Neutral. It was a neutral country. Yeah, well, we have bases there at this point in the world. They were, they were our allies by this point. Um, Japan had been fucking them up since, like, the 30s, so they did, they did not like those boys. Mm. But uh, China would be about... So it would be about 2,240 miles away, as opposed to the 5,400 that they claimed it mm. did to Pearl Harbor. But uh, So they removed all the machine guns from the plane, they stripped the armor plate, all the ammunition bins, and everything non-essential to fly the P-40. An external gas tank was uh, fastened to the bottom of the plane. McMullen said the broken landing gear posed the greatest challenge. He attempted to fabricate a new wheel, but that failed. Um, so the dude was just running away. Yeah, he was escaping. I mean, there wasn't that many left, and being a POW during that... With the Japanese is fucking terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, it was early, dude. almost like guaranteed death. Torture. Yeah. Torture. Torture. I hope you guys are enjoying this. This is great. I'm sitting back like I'm listening to this podcast. This is, <laughs> this is awesome. I yeah. love this sorry, World War II sorry. shit. I keep losing my fucking place in this notepad here. So, all right. So. At least you're not like Milton trying to build a wheel. I know. Yeah, that's where I was. So. Imagine that. 
fucked up on the wheel, put on some skis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, to fabricate a new wheel, I, they're they're stuck on an island with like very little supplies, so I don't even know how they would have attempted to do that. But um, according to Milton, yeah, they, I think they just wanted to get the... All the other aircraft on the island were destroyed, so all they had were these three P-40 Warhawks. So I think the goal is just to keep it going, to fight, and be able to defend, but... um. I'm sure once the Japanese started getting closer, it was it was the means of an escape, you know. So this is a quote from Milton here. Um, we designed the skid so that it would fall off the plane when it got in the, got airborne. Yep. And the pilot could close the other wheel because if you remember, only one of the wheels got knocked off, so it, it could close up the other wheel and continue to fly. They had the plane in the jungle where a lad, a large field sat in front of the plane. With these upgrades, they believe the, that could extend the plane's range to roughly 1,200 to 1,300 miles, which still wasn't far enough to get the, meet the 2,200 to China. With the external gas tank? Yeah, yeah. So with all that work they did, it still wasn't enough, but it was something. Send so, it that direction from the yeah. Philippines. We could go north. Yeah, yeah. But uh, So just before the, uh, the Japanese closed in on Mindanao, and Milton was eventually captured. Just before getting captured, he heard the, sound, the familiar sound of a plane taking off. And as he turned around, he sees the P-40 Warhawk that he and his crew rigged up suddenly taking flight. It seemed that in a last-ditch effort to escape the imminent approach of the Japanese, one of the men jumped in the hidden plane and made a run for it. So Milton was not flying this plane. Milton was not flying But his plane. journal was in the plane. Not, hang on, well... We don't know whose okay. journal it okay. was. <laughs> <laughs> so Milton said it was a near-perfect takeoff, and he watched as the tattered P-40 took to the sky. And it's important to note that, like, among this plane, all the boys that had been, like, on that base working on it and shit had all written letters, and these letters were in a bag that was aboard the P-40 when it took off. Good. So, and we know that for a fact. And what we also know is that somehow every single one of those letters was delivered. What? From, the, from the Navy find... Somehow. Oh, so they weren't in the plane when the Navy found it? Well, listen, well, we'll, get, we'll get there. You, you'll see. So, yeah, eerily enough, all these letters were delivered to their intended destinations. So after seeing the plane depart from, from the island, Milton is then taken prisoner by the Japanese, where he's then forced to take part in one of the many horrific atrocities that Japanese committed during World War II, the Bataan Death March. Now, we'll check back in with Milton in a bit, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, so it was a, and it's important to note, too, that, like, when all this shit was going on, like, it, it was just utter chaos. So, so, like, all this shit, all this side shit of, like, random fighting across these islands and stuff a lot of it's like not being reported you know like the record yeah. it's just such chaos that like yeah it's impossible to keep records of all this yep. shit yeah never so, mind uh, what's going on in east europe yeah yeah this is like in western just over, europe like, and it's like this is like the japanese were still doing pretty good at this point yeah like, yeah they were like yep. kicking they kicked some ass so, so did they team up with germany at this point or was this before? yeah they were part of the axis <laughs> yeah point. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. All like right. Italy so and... we'll check back in with Milton in a bit. But there's also this side story that I found, too. And like I said, keep in mind that, like, this is just such chaos over there that these records are, they're all over the place. So I came across a another story from some soldiers that were stationed on Mendenau when the Japanese took it over. And uh, the story goes... That, um, so like I said, there was three P-40s on the island. And uh, again, just before the surrender, there was a U.S. Army Major General Edward Postel King Jr. Just a heck of a name. Junior. Yeah. It, but he was a, so he was a major general, and he was supposed to fly out of the Philippines on one of McMullen's remaining planes. But the general refused to leave his men. Like fucking gangster. Yeah. And uh, while... So... So once word spread that the the major general wasn't leaving, someone hopped in that fucking plane was like, well, if he's not taking it, I'm taking it. Yeah. And tried to leave. And there's reports that uh, the general ordered to have it shot down, but they never recovered any wreckage of it. So, like, there's a guy that's basically like, I think I hit it, 
but they never were able to confirm that it went down. That's kind of fucked up. But, like, so my theory with that is it could have happened because there was two other P-40s on the, on the I, island. But it also mm. seemed like they were low of ammo, and why would they shoot a friendly fire down? Let the fucking coward deserting. go. Because he deserting. But, um... Save the ammo and tell that guy like, he's going to get shot down by the Japanese. So if, you, if you're if you a major general, right, and you're trying to get that guy out safe, you wouldn't give him the fucked up plane with skis on it and say good luck. You would give him one of the other ones. So I believe that that P-40 that they, they're talking about was one of the ones that, one of the other ones. I don't think it was the one that Milton and his team were working on. Okay. You know what I mean? It was like a decoy or something. Well, it was just one of the other ones. Yeah. Like they wouldn't give the major general the shitty plane. I feel know? like this was like I feel like this is like a week before Milton's plane took off. Yeah, like I said though, this, it's like complete disarray. Like these records yeah. are all just from people yeah. like that were there. Like there was nothing. Like it was just chaos. So I mean, that was like a little side thing I found. Mm-hmm. Um, I got really fired up on this because I kind of felt like. So if you remember the beginning of this story, how it was, it's known as the ghost shit, the ghost plane of Pearl Harbor. Yeah. But, so just keep that, that first story in mind, that spooky The first tale. one out, right? Yeah. When, when they were getting bombed, there was a plane that, like, where the fuck, we didn't know we were getting bombed, but there was already a plane in the no, sky. No, the, the plane that arrived a year after Pearl Harbor, that creepy oh, one, the from one the beginning waved. of the story with the guy that waved, yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about the attack of Pearl Harbor because we didn't see anything coming, but there was a plane already in the sky. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So. Because they never found that dude's body, right? The dude that waved. Nope. Yeah. Milton's. No, that's not Milton. Milton got captured on me. Yeah, okay, okay. But he worked on the plane. So his journal was in the plane. It wasn't. We don't know if it was Milton's journal. We don't think it was. But. um, I thought we recovered it from the plane crash. We don't know whose it was, though. They oh. recovered a journal that was partially burnt. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, after the general ordered that plane to be shot down. Uh, all right, so we'll check back in with Milton. So I got I got really fired up doing this research because I felt like I kind of solved this mystery. I, mean, I have, like, my own theory that I'll give at the end here, what I think happened. But uh, to sum up Milton's story, so... Milton, captured by the Japanese, he spent three plus years as a prisoner of war until the war ended. Yeah. Um, Only 25 members of Milton's unit survived out of 350. Um, But uh, Milton often often wondered in his time in the the prison camp, he often wondered what happened to the P-40 and its pilot that made that daring escape off the island. And Milton McMullen always credited the U.S the United States victory to the ingenuity of his fellow servicemen that he and had the, the privilege Filipino, to serve with. And the Filipinos. Yeah, he kind of left them out. No. No, I don't think he did. But anyway, so Milton ended up passing away on December 1st, 2014. Man. So he made it home. Um, and the so the author of this this article that I found from the newspaper in Mississippi he was a guy named Curtis Norris. He was born in uh, 1927, and he first heard of the ghost plane when he was 16 years old, and he became fascinated with it, like obsessed. He like made it his life. Like he wanted to be the one that figured out what happened. Have you reached out to him, Carl? Norris? Well, hang on. So he uh, he was the one that interviewed uh, Milton McMullen, and he went to and he found Milton. He went to a reunion where somehow the ghost plane had gotten like brought up and Milton stood up in, fr- in front of everybody and said, I worked on that plane. And so from there, Carl started interviewing him about it. And then, um, so uh, Norris also at one point while researching more into the mysterious missing plane, the, uh, he met with a group of pilots from the 76 fighter squadron. And so these guys told a story very similar to parts, pieces of the the ghost plane story. Um, And they claimed to have come up on the wreckage of a P-40 Warhawk off the coast of China. Um, 
Among the group was Colonel Robert Scott, a former flying tiger and the author, the author of the book, God is My Co-Pilot. And he tells a story of um, two pilots making contact with an unidentified aircraft, which turned out to be a P-40 Warhawk off the coast of China. Yeah. And he says that um, the two pilots were trying to make contact with the plane. Um, they weren't receiving anything back, so they fired a couple warning shots to the side of it. Um, still didn't get anything back, and then the plane suddenly nosedived and crashed off the coast of China. So they end up sending a team out to, to scope the wreckage um, to see if there's any survivors or whatever. And the story goes... So, guided by Chinese guerrillas, the group skirted enemy patrols to find the wrecked aircraft. Scott, re Scott retrieved a partially burnt diary, several undamaged letters, but before being able to locate the pilot, a Japanese patrol approached, forcing Scott and his party to slip away. The letters were mailed, and Scott had, had read part of the diary before turning it, turning it over to military intelligence. No one knows what happened to the diary after that point. Norris firmly believes that the name of the pilot who was flying the unidentified aircraft was among those letters. Milton did speculate that one of the men in his unit, a pilot with a thick Boston accent, was the brave soul who took off on the P-40. But without a body, that is only speculation. So the mystery does remain, who is the pilot and where did his body go? And uh, <clears throat> so this is my little, uh, my little monologue I wrote here. And hopefully one day they'll be able to locate, or at least, at the very least, identify the heroic pilot who gave his fellow soldiers' families closure by getting those letters off the island of Mindanao. And maybe one day, hopefully, that unknown pilot's family will be given that same closure. So, so from Milton's point of stand, he's on the island. He has a few hundred men there that are fighting for the U.S. And... I mean, there's obviously dead bodies. Oh, there's yeah. Was, un unaccounted like for and anything like that. They couldn't account for a missing person. And a was, single one is like... It seems really hard to do. A needle and like uh, beyond a haystack. But you, like, you know that show Recess? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that kid that sits back and he's like sits with a teacher and like writes all the journals? Is there like the, that kind of like kid behind like them fix, fixing the airplane? He's like standing in the bushes like... Oh, they're fixing the plane up. Oh, oh well, they're not going to take it? Okay, well, I'm going to go fucking take this. And there's, like, that weird nerd or whatever. Not nerd, but, like, someone observing that wasn't really there that was, like, a coward and just wanted to get the fuck out of there. So, I think that might have been the case for that other P-40 that the that general oh, ordered the, the, to shot, get yeah. shot down. Because that one was stolen. That's why he was like, fuck that guy. Shoot him down. Yeah, yeah. But the, the one that that Milton and his crew was working on, they were like a tight-knit crew. Like, yeah. he like he didn't know the guy's name, but they there was other people that were there, too, that uh, co corroborated the story, saying they had a, a pilot with a thick... He was from Massachusetts. He had a very thick Boston accent, and he was probably like, fuck it, dude, I'll give it a try. How <laughs> far is fucking Logan from here, buddy? So who, <laughs> so who is the guy? They don't know. They they so I think Carl knows. Norris. I think Damien knows. Carl well, Nor Norris, right? Curtis Norris, the guy who was digging into this for all those years. He uh, the last interview that, and it was hard to find this shit, dude. I had to like dig to find that newspaper article, and so all right, so we'll get right go. We'll get into it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, so, so Curtis Norris um interview Milton. What yes. year? Uh. Fuck, I have it in my notes. Is it like um, five years after the war, or is it because he was younger? No, at the time it he was, was forty years after. Okay, so okay, yeah. like in the eighties in the eighties. I think eighty five. It was eighty five, um, but he ended up interviewing him multiple times later on. So Curtis Norris was working on a book, and he believed that he had cracked the case. Okay, of the mis of the the mysterious ghost plane, um, and. He was working on it till up until he died. But the last thing I found from him, he mentions the the pilot from Mass, and he he believed he had fe figured out who it was. So they're both dead. And then dead. it ended there. But then yes, yeah, Curtis Norris died in two thousand one from cancer, 
And at the time he died, he hadn't completed the book. And he, I don't know. He died know. young. Huh? He died young. Well, he was born in 27. Oh, I thought... No, the, uh, the the guy that interviewed him? Yeah, he was I thought born he was born in, in 60. Nope, he was born in 27. Okay. Um, so he was, he was oh, yes, 16 you're right. when you're, he first right. heard you're about right. it. Yeah, you're right. Um, okay. But, so yeah, I don't know if somebody's like picked up his work and is gonna, like, that book's gonna come out. But this isn't like... I feel like you should. Like I feel you, like you should, should pick up the book. I I will, dude. I I'm fucking. I've been rock hard about this. Yeah, that's <laughs> dude, good. I'd like. Uh, and there's plenty of shit to reference that he probably didn't have the hands on to reference. Yeah, dude, and I like piece together like so all your... these guys' stories. Kind of say the same thing. Like point what? to the same thing. They we know that there was three P forties on the on the island of Mindanao at the time of its capture. Mm-hmm. We know that only one of them was recovered. What's, it was destroyed. What's your theory? So, so what I think, well, all right. So to go back to the original story about the Pearl Harbor ghost plane. Yeah. That was published in, in 1945 after the war ended. And whoever wrote that, because it's like they took a real story and then tried to make it spookier by saying it, it mysteriously threw, flew uh, 5,400 miles. Yeah. Because it's like, you know. Yeah, and it's made it made it more spooky. Like, ooh, he did he did like the, and so, all right. So the escape, Milton claimed that they were planning on was to go to China. Like I said, to the nearest Allied Times base. Times Mag, nineteen forty nine. Forty five. Forty five. The ghost plane of Pearl Harbor, and so, whoever wrote that original article, fucked up because by changing the location from China. To Pearl Harbor, it made it so easy to poke holes in the story, and it became like, oh, that's just like a hoax or a ghost story. Mm. But it it's it's corroborated in the the testimonies of the guys who were there that watched this fucking thing take off. So and I mean, put it together, dude. They rigged a plane with skis that were made designed to fall off when it took off. That's why it had no landing gear. The, the plane was already shot the fuck up when it took off. They had to piece it back together. That yeah. explains why it was shot to hell. Had no comms, no landing gear. I think that thing went off. It crash landed off the coast of fucking China. And I think that the pilots reported the location. And before the recovery team could get there, I think the Japanese got them. Either found the pilot dead or alive and fucking killed them because exactly, yeah. they were not being prejudiced. But at the time, Japanese were dickheads, dude. They were doing some fucked up shit. Mm-hmm. That was like that's so, why we fucking bombed them. Yeah, because they were getting to the point Duke where they, them, dude. They they were getting to the point where it was just un- atrocities, atrocities yeah. against their own oh people. My God. Against so every we'll do, we'll do another episode in the future about like the Baton Death March because I found some really like interesting stuff in there. You bought it? Sick, dude. $5. What is that? Hell yeah. It's, a, it's the Time so magazine with the original like, article. Like, so, oh, anyway, man. back to that though. Whoever wrote that article fucked up because changing the, the crashed location from the China, this coast up. Off the coast of China to Pearl Harbor made the story just really unbelievable. And it became just like a ghost story. Like, people thought it was like a hoax or just a spooky tale, you know? But if you go back and piece together the testimonies of the guys who were on that fucking island, it seems like a badass... It goes from, like, being a spooky story to a badass, like, escape tale of a fucking ballsy dude who hopped in a plane that knew it wasn't going to make it, but, like... I don't know. It's it's an uh, it's an awesome story. Like, and the guy fucked up by making it seem like it was a some spooky ghost story because this shit isn't in any records. Like the only records of it are the articles that um, like the interviews with Milton and the other guys that Norris interviewed. So I don't know. My theory is what Milton said basically, but I think it crashed off the coast of China. And I think before the recovery team got there, the Japanese found the pilot, either dead or alive, and made him dead. And, yeah, that's where the story came from. Because the two pilots that encountered the aircraft in the air over the seas of China, uh, 
said the same thing from the ghost story. Like they took the the real story and just changed the location to Pearl Harbor one year after the attack. And this the uh, according to Milton, this the plane took off in September, nineteen forty two. So that makes sense. It starts to add up. Yeah, man, that's crazy. That's crazy. The fuel, though. Well, that's why it crashed. He knew he wasn't going to make it. He made it to the coast of China, but not far enough. He was still in, like, technically Japanese-controlled territory at that point. When they found the... Which is all of the Pacific, pretty much, at that point. But you don't think the dude had a parachute and just fucking... I don't. The pilots that saw him in the aircraft said he looked dead, like he was covered in blood. He got lit up, but... Damn. I don't know. I, I, I just found it really fascinating. No, that's. I thought cool it was story. cool, and like, I could be wrong, <laughs> you know. But like, I could also be right. I don't know. I, all the people that wrote those letters that were aboard the plane, the majority of them, if not all of them, didn't survive the the march or mm. imprisonment. They were either executed. On on site, or they ha- they were forced B-O-W. to do the march, yeah, and yeah. didn't make it. So those letters that somehow got to the families, um, those were the last words that the families ever heard of the guys. So the guy is like an unknown hero. So it would be cool to give his family the closure that he gave all those other people's families. I think. Um, so yeah, and that is, I kind of summarized a lot of what I wrote down here, but I think that's. That's good. I think we can do some more research into this. Yeah, so we could do like a two-parter. Um, I've been yeah. going through a lot of like World War II shit. It's fascinating stuff, dude. Yeah, I mean, I, I love like the physical copy of shit. Like I have a lot of Life and Times magazines that I go through for collages for stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, I just like the tangible object of like looking at it. Yeah, and printed like this was like news. That's why I wish I hard copied these damn notes, dude. Like nowadays, it's like I get my news on my phone and it's gone. But back in the day, like stacked on your fucking coffee table, Mm -hmm. and then you could like go back and look at it. Like that shit is so sick to me. Like I have like a lot of shit that I want to put out from like Pearl Harbor and shit like that. That like I want to add to my artwork, but it's like hard to like put into it and do it tastefully. Yeah. Do it is like a, I, I don't know, like a, a bang, like a wow, this fucking happened, like whoa, boom, because I'm doing like contemporary pop art, and it's like, just to do it so it's like, wow, this fucking happened, people actually went to war like this, because our generation doesn't know shit about war besides Iraq, and like Afghanistan, and shit no, like that. No, dude, and people that don't read this shit, they'll hear it like... Like, people now say, like, we should have never nuked the Japanese, and it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. we should have fucking stopped oh, yeah? them, yeah. Yeah, no, they had it coming. What's the, you, the Man in the High Tower? You ever watch that fucking show? That's the one that if Germany won, and Germany and right? Japan won. Yeah. The West Coast oh, is God. all Japan, East Coast is all... Can you imagine how fucking hard school would have been if the Japanese won? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'd be way... You know how many people would be fucking dead? Oh, yeah, no. Bad, dude. Can you imagine how long learning the ABCs would have taken? Got to learn how to drop pictures and shit. Be of course. Really bad. So, all right. So, real quick, uh, the, the I'd like they... to I'd like to do a toast to Milton and all the the other badass dudes that were involved in the story. Hell yeah! Get, uh, put it all on the line for us all those years ago. Yeah. I got really into I'm into this fun. story. Um, I did a lot of research, so I hope you guys found it as fascinating as I did. When I, I first thought of telling cool. this story, I thought it'd be just like a quick, like, spooky tale, and we get into like maybe some conspiracy theories around it. No, but then it, it turned into just like a real story that it was, was fucking badass with real people, and it was worth. I think it should be story. told, and, and I think our viewers are gonna be like, "Well, this is a change up," but I think this is cool because yeah. it shows a different side of us, and. Yeah, and I'm just... I, I know, think this shit's awesome. Can I yeah. guess who I think the guy is? Yeah. Chuck Norris. Oh, shit. I was going to say that. <laughs> Carl Norris? Chuck Norris? Yeah, dude. Woo. <laughs> Woo. All right, I got to take a league. All right, hang Should on. Should we pause then? Uh, I got one more thing before right, we get completely it. off. So I found this story. This was also from one of the Milton interviews from Norris. 
and this is kind of a funny story. So when they were first on the island of Mindanao in the beginning, there were all these monkeys on the island with them. And uh, at first they were just fucking assholes, but they had to be there for so long that eventually, like, from the guys, like, feeding them and being around the monkeys, like, became, like, their boys. Yeah. And uh, so one night a, a Japanese sniper was sneaking into their, their territory, and they they hear this commotion. <laughs> and he climbed up a... So the guy, the Jap was climbing up a tree and a monkey saw him and fucking just started beating the shit, like, just fully mauled this, <laughs> this Japanese dude in a tree and they all heard this going on they all just rushed him and beat the fuck out of the guy. That's crazy the monkey knew <laughs> dude, the difference. Dude, yeah. yeah. Like, even the monkeys knew the Japanese were being bad boys. Oh, yeah. Like, even they knew. So that, I that, thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. This, uh, I found, like, a bunch of other little cool stories that maybe we'll get into. Um, I just wanted to lay out the groundwork for that story and throw my theory out there. Um... Because this shit isn't in public records, dude. Milton was, or not Milton, uh, Norris was the only guy working on this, like, doing deep research over the course of, like, 60 years, almost. And like, a lot yeah, of these gnarly. dudes that he are working on to... this are dying. Yeah. A lot of these dudes that have been studying this their whole lives are passing away and dying, and their research isn't getting put out there because they don't, they obviously have the resources, but they're old dudes. Yeah. So they don't know how to put it out there. So their children and their family are, are inheriting That's... this. And then it's like to get it out there is impossible. But there's a lot of shit out there that hasn't been solved publicly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's shit out there that men know. In the last interview that Norris did, he claimed that he thought he had cracked it. And he the book was going to come out. And unfortunately, he died. So this story, like, we're kind of dropping, a, like, a plane accident? this isn't common <laughs> knowledge at all. <laughs> but this isn't common knowledge at all. So this is like, we're, like, breaking this news here. So, like, in a couple years, if, like, they might corroborate our story and, like, prove that it, this is real. So... You might be getting a bait and heckle fucking... No, I think we should do this more on bait and heckle. I think, yeah, I, think it's, I agree. I think it's good. I agree. Um, um, I'm going to piss. Yeah, so we can wrap it up. That is the uh, that is the story of the ghost plane, the World War II ghost plane, a.k.a. the Pearl Harbor ghost plane. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the most The ghost way. plane, the ghost plane. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hell yeah. Just the way you were saying that. So, uh, thanks for tuning in to the first uh, Bait and Heckle history cast. The Hickory cast. (laughs) The Hickory cast. Oh, shit. Thanks for for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to continue doing research on this. And uh, join our monthly subscription on our Spotify or Patreon. We might be switching that up soon for, uh, for more cool history stuff. And... Fund my trip to the seas of China so I can find this fucking plane and bring that hero home. Yeah, Boston accent. I want to do it. Right? Boston accent. But it seems to be a a few of the guys that were interviewed seem to think that was the dude that did it. it, Because it kind of makes sense. He's like, skiing. You can land the plane with that. Yeah, so when I first heard, (laughs) dude, I like, my mind was so blown. When I first heard they attached skis to the plane, I was like, wait. He's gotta be so from this thing could have land. Well, no, <laughs> this thing could have landed on water, which maybe could have helped it get yeah. all the way across. Like maybe it did make it to Pearl Harbor. But as I did more research, that seems very unlikely. And Milton claims that they designed it so it would just take off. They knew landing it was gonna be be hard, but the goal was just to survive the the landing and get the fucking get these letters out and try and get help and let the and let everybody know that they were still there. Yeah. You know, that there were people resisting the, the march and the surrenders and all that. So, fascinating how, stuff. How long was that one? 48? We're at about, 45. I think 45, yeah. yeah. All right. We got to so, cut out probably a minute no, of that. Yeah, yeah, there's a little bit to cut out. Do you guys have anything in questions? Well, how the fuck did he get those letters out? See, well, no, that's, that's the that's thing. That's a mystery. That, that was part of the mystery, too. Like, one of them... See, that was... Oh, so I totally missed this part, too. There was a a theory that maybe he survived the crash and just fucking grabbed the letters and bailed, and he survived and was the one that mailed them. But they never found the guy. They never got a claim that, you know... Also, one of my theories that I forgot to mention, what if the Japanese found the... Are we recording? Yeah. 
So what if the Japanese Sick. found the comes across the wreckage before the rescue team can get there? They find the they find the pilot either dead or alive and the the letters. They do whatever they do with him and maybe one of those Japanese soldiers grows a conscience after reading through him and realize there's no real intelligence in there. He decides to mail him to the families as some sort of closure. That's a possible outcome too. Yeah. yeah. It is. Um so yeah, there's like a million ways you could go about this. And like over the years, <laughs> imagine the, the Japanese male guy being like, "Wisconsin? <laughs> what the fuck is this about?" <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Wisconsin. <-a> <laughs> Why the fuck am I mailing here? Should all be Tokyo. But that's the coolest thing. I think they really need to focus on fun. like someone needs to find the identify the pilot who made that badass escape dude knowing that he wasn't gonna make it you know but he was gonna try to get his boys help and get their their letters to their families and or it was a fucking japanese soldier stealing the plane <laughs> he just decided to kamikaze himself he just he's just like you know what fuck it dude i i'm just jumping in this plane and out who knows dude that it's that's the thing, like possibilities are endless. Right, right when the plane took off. Yeah, there was it was just chaos there yeah. all the time. Like they held out. For it could have been a Filipino. Could have been. been helping them. Could have been. They did definitely have to have some flying chops for it to take off on those skis. Though. Well, I know, yeah. but if he like, that's why they kind of. If he like built it with them, if he like yeah. built it, and like Milton just like. Yo, dude, like this is you what live you in do. The woods. <laughs> this, is, this is how you <laughs> fucking push on yeah. this, rev on yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, they speculate that because it was such like an awesome takeoff, they think it was the guy from Mass, the the skilled pilot with a thick and Boston accent. We don't know. And any they, idea? Of the no. Guy's and there's because there's so many people that were di that either died, captured, and died while they were imprisoned, and, and or just were never found in, yeah. at all. Am I, you know, yeah. like. So many people were just never found. Like, they were, who knows? So it could have been anybody. I'm going to go knocking on doors. It could have been anybody. And that's what makes the story so fascinating. But I think it's so much, I thought this was going to be like a spooky ghost story. I don't think it's ghost. But it became no. so much cooler. It's like a real story of, like, escaping hell. Like, the the Baton Death March was literally the hell worst. on Earth. Yeah, the worst shit. Like, look, look that shit up, and yeah. it's, you'll be glad. I'm telling you. Yeah, straight up. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was I'm fully captivated by this story. I think it's it's rad, and I think uh, we need to figure out figure out who that guy was. And if you join our monthly subscription, you could fund my trip to the seas of China, where I and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, go gonna bring China. this guy home. We're we're gonna all gonna go to China. Yeah, let's go. We're gonna solve this mystery. I mean. We're pretty good now. We got like ten dollars. Yeah. We'll, we'll be able to get there someday. But... Yeah, dude. Keep on saving, baby. No, I mean, <laughs> if you if you like this kind of world war, any kind of war talk, or just history in general, I think I want to keep uh, doing this route. Maybe like one a month at least or something. Yeah, um, and we can just give us a shout on Instagram. Share this pod with your friends. Just get it out there as much as you can, and it only takes a fucking couple clicks in your phone, and I know it sucks to have your image displayed by having posts and shit on your stories and stuff, but fuck it, dude. If you enjoy this shit, hopefully you show other people, and they enjoy it too. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah. Shout us out. Shout us out, yeah. So, uh, All right, should I say something in? about retards or something? <laughs> I know, it feels well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, whose door are you knocking on first? Marky? Marky oh, Mark? I, no, I'm going to start writing fucking Townsend. I'm just, <laughs> just going to keep going. Hey, you guys know someone who flies planes back in World War II? Yeah. Hell Peppy. yeah. Yeah. Make him Peppy. All right. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I I went really deep on this. And it's good. It's Passion's good. That, Passion's uh, great. Well, I think more people need to know about it because this this plane, this ghost plane, became such like a lore that people don't look at it as they kind of discredit it because it's like ooh, like a mystery ghost plane. But no, it's so much cooler than that when you actually like do some do a little bit of digging and start putting some pieces of stories together that 
Like, Richard McMullen was a highly respected guy. Like, he wouldn't just bullshit this story yeah. of working on this plane and rigging skis to it. He went on, like, after he got home from... Milton? Milton, yeah. yeah. After he got home from being a prisoner of war for three-plus years, he stayed in the military and became, like... He was uh, involved in, like, this prisoner of war program, like, trying to get guys back and find MIA troops and stuff. So he was highly respected in the military, like... Full honors, so he's not the type of guy that would make some shit up like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story just didn't get a lot of light. Like I said, it was in a fucking Mississippi newspaper. I just bought the fucking Life out. You got article. the Time one. That has that's life. where the the story got fucked up though. But that's gonna be cool to have. Mm-hmm. And you know, like maybe those two stories aren't related. I think that the the story of the ghost plane spawned from this story somehow. But, you know, like, it doesn't have to be spooky, man. It turned into, like, a really cool tale with real people, you know? But I do believe that uh, whoever wrote that piece tried to make it a little extra spooky and changed the... And that's what made it... Made it sound unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so thanks for tuning in. I had a fucking blast on this. We're definitely going to do some more stuff. And uh, maybe we'll follow up with this someday. But, uh... Thanks for thanks yeah. for listening to the first ever history cast. Yeah, the uh, bait and heckle history cast. Should have wore a tie for this one. Yeah, why? Yeah, I felt like a student. Still, still. <laughs> you learned something. <laughs> so I'm gonna definitely gonna take notes on hard copy, like on paper from now on, because yeah, I, this was too. Like, look at the, like this is a lot oh. of shit. <laughs> yeah, it's very easy to lose your place in this it's little so screen. Much better but just uh, to write, dude. It is. Like it is. The notepad is like. Are we still recording? Yeah. yeah. Oh, all right. We're all just right. talking life now. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I got, dude. I got stoned yesterday. I was hung over as hell, and like, I really wanted to find like a cool, just like a small history story to like bring to the cast, and. uh it just snowballed into something. I was, like, freaking uh, yeah, out. Yeah, that was, like, an hour. I hope you guys liked it. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll do some more of these soon. Yeah, Righteous. Do. All right, oh, yeah. that was episode 24. All right. and Heckle. Thank you for listening, and listen to us very soon. We'll have another one up for you. Oh, yeah. Bye. Bye, guys. Peace. <laughs>